We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. We got a special guest on the show today. It's your friendly Bulls blogger, Matt from Bloggable, joining us to talk about the Bulls' lack of offseason activity, the, the Reinsdorf's ownership, and just where the Bulls stand in the Eastern Conference coming into this season. Uh, Matt, thanks for taking some time out of your day to join us. Jace, I'll kick it over to you and you can get us started. Yeah. I mean, first of all, yeah. Welcome to Matt. Uh, and also Ricky, you just, uh, moved that we we've been, uh, took a little podcast break here with Ricky moving out of Chicago, sadly for hopefully not too long, uh, following the, the lady to Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, so Ricky, how'd that go? All good. First time in my life I've ever lived outside of Cook County, and the move was an absolute disaster. Tried to do it ourselves, driving a huge U-Haul, you know, five and a half hours to Iowa. But I made it. I'm in one piece. My stuff is scattered everywhere, but I survived. Moving moving sucks. I, I did it last year, moved out of the city into the, into the burbs, hopefully by where the Bears will be playing in the next five years. But, uh, yeah, so we're back, though, finally. Not that the Bulls have been doing that much lately, of course. Uh so we're going to, yeah, as Ricky said, we're going to talk about the offseason, kind of our vibes around the team here. Uh, I guess if there's any Bulls news these days, it's a bunch of the guys are getting together, not in their building. I don't know how uh, John Paxson feels about this, the, <laughs> the team getting together out in, uh, I think, California. And DeMar DeRozan like, put together these workouts and a bunch of guys are out there. Uh, so that's all, all fun stuff. Um, uh, besides that, though, it's been pretty quiet. I mean, around the NBA in general. Uh, since summer league and all that, we're still waiting on KD stuff, Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie, all that stuff is kind of just in a stalemate. There's been some small signings around the league, but the bulls, as we've kind of talked about, it seems like they're probably done with their off season. They have 15 guaranteed contracts. Not that that necessarily means anything. It doesn't seem like Kobe white's going anywhere. I know there was some chatter about how they'll probably keep, they'll keep, uh, whatever, keep him on the trade block. But as of right now, 
doesn't seem like there's going to be much else with the Bulls other than filling out their training camp roster. So now we will bring in Matt again to talk about the this offseason. And obviously, the Bulls, I guess they just officially made the Gordon Dragon signing official. Mm-hmm. They signed Andre Drummond for just above the minimum. They re-signed Derek Jones Jr. They re-signed Zach Levine, which is obviously good. Matt, where is your head at just after, I think what we were, we weren't expecting huge things this off season, but I think most, maybe not most, a lot of Bulls fans, I think could be a bit, at least maybe not upset, but underwhelmed with what the Bulls have done this off season in terms of addressing with their needs. Some of these moves kind of just whatever veteran guys to bring back Derek Jones Jr. I thought was really weird. Where's your head at with where the, what the Bulls approach this off season and what they ended up doing? Yeah, no, definitely disappointed. Um, well, thanks for ha- first. Thanks for having me. But yeah, there isn't that much to talk about, unfortunately. <laughs> and I think, uh, like Ricky said it recently about how this was like one of the more disappointing off seasons that the Bulls have had, and that's because we have been set up by expectations for once. Like last year, last off season, you know, the first the first summer for um, Arturis and and crew to come in, they didn't do anything. It took them like months to even fire Jim Boylan. And we were thinking, well, you know, same old bulls. And then last offseason, of course, they did a ton. And they they not only did a lot, they were creative, they were um, active, they were fast in their moves. They tampered so, like a big market. Yeah, they, they, even, yeah, they even tampered. Um, and then so we were thinking going into this offseason, even though we heard from Carnage Robles that they, you know, continuity was a big thing. We thought, well, maybe that's just something that executives say and they all want to like show continuity. But of course, they're gonna, they see the massive holes on this roster from um, the second half of last season. And of course, like the swift ouster in the playoffs, there were definitely like holes to address and to see them not really address those holes at all and do so in a way where the few additions they made kind of like hamstrung them from doing anything more significant. Uh, it was really disappointing. And it kind of just like reiterated that even though there might be new executives in charge um, and there certainly seem more, like active and thoughtful and ambitious than Garpex, there's still his ownership uh, as a limitation. And when hearing like speculation heading in the off season that they were not going to go into the tax and then seeing that like actually like come to fruition, like it just, they didn't like say, okay, we're, we're not doing these moves because we're not going to the tax, but everything they did indicated that they structured contracts this way to not go into the tax um, heading into the season. And that that's just like a huge, a huge blow. And it kind of, again, it's because of partially because of the raise expectations from last off season. Now to see them be like the same old bulls, it's like a real, real, like, uh, like kicking the nuts. <laughs> yeah. After the bulls did their two extremely minor free agent signings or three, if you count Derek Jones, I was thinking there's no way this can actually be the full roster. By the time we get to training camp, there's gotta be a Kobe white trade out there. There has to be something to, you know, provide a little bit more shooting on the roster. But as of right now on August 3rd, it sure seems like this is going to be the roster heading into training camp. I believe training camps around the league open about September 26th. And uh, there was a recent report. It might've been from Cowley. So don't put any credence <laughs> into it, but I think they said like, they're going to revisit a Kobe white yeah. trade mid season. That's what that I was trying to get. Like it's yeah. probably the most likely move they're going to make on the roster. And I, I just can't believe that they're really going to go into a year with this little shooting, with their main offseason acquisition being Andre Drummond. And it just can't be said enough. Like the Bulls had their $10.5 million non taxpayer 
exemption going into this offseason. And they spent $7 million of it or whatever because they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. And during a time when you already don't have spent $3 million, I think I'm pretty sure it was only Drummond. Derek Jones, I think, was used like early bird rights or non bird rights, something like that. I don't think they use MLE to sign. And they, yeah, they're going to offer Gallinari the $7 million. But uh, the Gallinari thing, and but the, even that, and the more they, you hear about the Gallinari stuff, it's like I mean, he was going to Boston. As long as Boston put a contract on the table, he was going there. Like the Bulls, he, I mean, like, the Bulls could have upped the offer if they wanted. I mean, part of it to me is like the not only did they have holes on the roster, but you only have so many ways to improve in the off season, and especially if you're over the cap like the Bulls were, and that would be, you know, the 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 full non taxpayer MLE, and to not use it with the theory. I mean, there's not even it's user or lose it. They can't they can't like they're not like saving it for um, midseason. They're not going to sign a buyout guy right, with yeah. that MLE money. Yeah. Um, and they're not and they can't like roll it over to next year or something like this is their chance to kind of fill that salary slot for someone making 10 million bucks. And even if it's not someone that, you know, puts you over the top, it at least gives you like some depth to trade, trade from in the future. Trade chip, yeah. So now when you're talking you know, in the, in the mid season, they're going to like use Kobe white as a trade ship. I mean, one Kobe white doesn't have much value as we saw in this off season. Otherwise it, he probably would have been gone. And two, they need his, they need his shooting. So, I mean, if you're going to have, if you have like the lowest volume of three point shooting in the league, and then you're going to trade Kobe white, who's one of your few actual volume three point shooters. I mean, that's kind of just making that hole even worse, even if it shores up something like else on the roster. So they're really, they're not doing themselves any favors basically. So I know that yes, they have some flexibility, but you could gain yourself even more flexibility by using your advantages, which is being able to spend into the tax. Um, so to not like spend into the tax, even though it's a, not a way to like build your championship contention contender, it's just a way to kind of like get you to that point. Uh, it's, it's like extremely disappointing. And, it, and like, they're kind of thinking of, like their franchise the wrong way. If they, if they are actually believing the idea that they can only go into the tax for a contender, I mean, that, that ship has kind of already sailed based off of the moves that AK has already made um, as, as good a job as he's done in accumulating talent. He has like taking some L's on the margins that make made him like overpay for players, whether that's in assets, like in the uh, Vucevic trade or in salary, which is, you know, like the Rosen and, um, and even like giving Levine the full max, I mean, that's, that's great. and makes sense to do that, but you have to be, you're saying you're a taxpayer team now because there's no other avenues to kind of like get to that next level. They're not going to magically become a contender. And then the Reinsdorf will say, Oh, now we can pay the tax now because we were a contender. They kind of have to spend into the tax to even get to that point. So that they let this opportunity go by. And not only did they not use the MLE, they, they used part of it to sign guys uh, like Drummond and Dragic for uh, over the minimum. Although I think it was only Drummond that was over the minimum. Yeah, I think Dragic was a minimum. Dragic was a minimum, yeah. they, but they used, the, they used part of the MLE to, to sign Drummond, which they did not like need to do. I mean, if that, if that meant Drummond didn't come, like, so, I mean, we'll talk about Drummond later, but I, I think he's a minimum guy. And if he didn't sign for the minimum, sign someone else for the minimum. And then, so now they can't use their full MLE, um, to, to get like a, like a $10 million player. And this goes back to last offseason or last uh, trading deadline when they signed Tristan Thompson using the biannual for no real reason, I guess, I guess just to sign him uh, maybe to like beat out competitors. But again, you're not really 
winning anything if you're like winning the Tristan Thompson dirty. <laughs> so I, it's just like they're, they're doing these, yeah, they're doing these moves to kind of like almost intentionally hamstring themselves to say like, well, we, we would spend the full NLE, but we already used some of it and we would go into the tax, but we don't want to. Um, so uh, yeah, all of it is very, it, it's don't forget they also let the Daniel Tice five million dollar trade yep, they let, expire. Yep, they obviously right, could not their- they, they could not have used all of that. Like they couldn't have used the full MLE and the Tice exception. I think that would have gone over the hard cap or at least come really close. Still yeah, though, they, like they could sure use they parts of it. You use part of that five million maybe to trade for somebody. You use most of the MLE. I think they could have at least had some flexibility to use both of those, at least parts of it. Maybe not all of it, but they. They use barely any of the MLE and they use and they let the Daniel size trade exception go the way of the Kyle Colbert trade exception. That's, and it's all about asset accumulation mode. And it's just yeah. strange that they were in that mode last offseason and then decided, hey, we saw how good they were in the first half of the season when we were fully healthy, first in the East, you know, and then just looking at that and saying, we're good. Let, we're not in that mode anymore. We're in continuity mode and we're going to try and like fill around the edges because it's not even about getting someone in your rotation that's going to contribute in the playoffs. That would be great. You know, say like Isaiah Hartenstein was like a, someone you could, um, you know, take a, a playoff rotation minutes, but it's even more about just getting someone in that salary slot that trade you chips, should yeah. trade. Yeah. Trade mid season um, either as like aggregated salary or as, you know, a good player, like a good role player that are, that would be uh, useful to another team at the deadline. Um, so like the fact that they like took a look at that roster, then, they said, Hey, we don't, one of our other goals is not has, we don't want to get better if it means we're getting into the tax. So like that, that motivation of staying under the tax kind of like superseded their general motivation, which is to actually like get better. And as we know, like getting like the way, especially in the East this off season, you can't just like stand still. Um, like teams are going to leapfrog you or you know, the, the contenders who are already above you are going to get even better and yeah, can't rely boston. on just like health yeah. yeah and we saw boston do that boston traded for malcolm brogdon without giving up like anything of value for them the hawks made their big trade yeah, uh, it's like do they not value continuity right. no i don't think so i think they realize <laughs> like there's continuity and then there's you know actually just trying to get trying to improve and i don't think they would have disrupted continuity by uh, signing someone for the MLE, right? Yeah. You know, keep your main and, guys. Yeah, trading Dero- yeah, trading Deros and laying Levine walk. Yeah, that would have disrupted the continuity a lot. But but doing like just using the few tools you have at your disposal, that that wouldn't have uh, gone against their goal of continuity at all. Yeah, and so and something we've talked about multiple times, of course, is this also was the, something at the last trade deadline where we, you mentioned Tristan Thompson was their only move, and that's a signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Troy Brown Jr. on a $5 million contract. They had Derek Jones Jr. on a, what, $8, 9000000 million contract. They could have packaged those two for bigger salary. They could have pe- traded one or either of them for maybe a different player, and they didn't do anything. And now right, Troy Brown Jr. gone yep. to the Lakers. Derek Jones Jr. is back for some reason. I, I like Derek Jones Jr. in a vacuum. I thought he did some nice things as a small ball center sometimes. But like on this roster, when you already have basically Javante Green as, a, as like a 6'4, 6'5, 4 5 who can't shoot, I didn't think it made much sense to have both Green and Jones when there's so little shooting elsewhere. So all those, those margin things that we've kind of yeah. talked about that you and brought least, up as well. Yeah, for Jones, at least you didn't have to use an exception to sign yeah. him. So that's, so, that's, so that's actually like a good piece of business that, you know, he was able to be retained with early bird rides. You don't, you didn't have to dip in the MLE further to do it, but oh, yeah, I just thought those, it was weird given yeah. the roster construction. I, right. Oh yes. Yeah. In terms of yeah. roster construction it is strange. And like, as you said, like the, when we think they're done, 
it's like when Casey Johnson says they're at full contracts, it's like, well, then I guess that's it. Cause it's like, they've, they've, they, there's no like maneuver, you know, you can invite more people to camp. You can have the roster to be like, I think it's 20 or 22 before the start of the yeah. regular season. You just have to cut down before the regular season. They still have their two way slots um, occupied one by like 27 year old Malcolm Hill, which doesn't <laughs> seem that like prudent of use of that, that slot. So there's still some work to be done, which I'm sure they can, they can do in training camp and, potentially as fallout from a, a Kevin Durant, you know, or a Kyrie Irving trade, you know, maybe there's some maneuvering that can go on, but it won't be use of the MLE. You know, there, there's not going to be like another mid season free agent that you would sign, but I was going to say like what it, this all comes back to is the end of last off season when they did the Larry marketing trade. And when they took, when they decided to take back Jones on that expiring salary versus Larry Nance, who had a two-year deal. Um, Nance making, I don't know, like something like 10 to 12 million. Yeah, something like that. And that was indicated at the time. And again, they're not, they're never going to say this and no one's going to report it and say, like, well, I know that the Reinsdorf has said, don't go into the tax. And that's why they didn't do this. But you could kind of read into it to say, like, well, they don't want to take on 2022, 23 salary uh, because they're going to have to sign Levine, give Levine a huge raise, and this will put them potentially in the tax. And that similarly at the trade deadline last year, there was all rumors about ne- there was never a rumor about them getting someone who was making money beyond it was only going to be a rental. And then they didn't even get that. They, they wound up signing someone off of waivers. Um, so there's all, all these signs are pointing to like, they do not want to go into the tax in, in 22. Um, so they don't want to take on players last off season that, you know, carried over into, into this year. And then the trade deadline, same thing. And then this off season, same thing. They, they, they pulled up just, behind what would be the tax line, including the offer to Gallinari. Now, yeah, maybe Gallinari goes regardless. I, I find it kind of concerning that they're getting beat out on these um, mid-level targets. Um, I, I And they were offering seven. The Celtics could only offer the taxpayer MLE, which is something like uh, six. So maybe they go to 10 for the full MLE. And then, you know, does Gallo really turn that down because his dad had a Larry Bird jersey? <laughs> I'm, I'm not so sure. And yeah, you could debate the merits of adding Gallinari as a player, but the point is like they wanted him, so they clearly thought he was he was someone worth pursuing. So like, why aren't you? Why are you not doing everything you can to get it done? And if you're the Chicago Bulls, everything you can means offering more money when you can, because the only thing that um, you can't, the only thing you're limited by is not your exceptions, but just the amount of salary you're paying out and the amount of tax. And as we know, the amount of tax. Uh, no rebates or whatever you get from the Warriors and Clippers at the it's end. It's got ten million. Yeah, yeah I mean it's a, it is a, it is a huge amount of money, um, but it is just money. There's nothing like structurally with the cap that they could that they were right. limited on. So, yeah, it's just like we were very. I was very impressed um, and pleasantly surprised by how they navigated the last off season. But then starting with that marketing trade and then trade deadline and then this off season. It's very much looking like, you know, some of those same limitations are still uh, over the bulls, which is ownership. And that's not going to change. So that's very concerning. This whole mentality of not doing anything because it doesn't put you over the top, I think is just so poisonous and so stupid. You know, you saw last offseason when they made the moves to get DeRozan, Lonzo, Caruso. Over the previous four years, the Bulls had the worst record in the NBA. No one thought that they were making those moves to win the championship next season. But they were in first place in the Eastern Conference at the All-Star break, which was 70% of the way through the year. And they proved that when the team was fully healthy, they could be pretty good, at least in terms of their like closing lineup. Uh, and the main pieces all fit together pretty well. 
But obviously the bench was just totally exposed in the playoffs, was exposed when people went down with COVID or with injuries. And to think, well, we can't use the full mid-level exception because it's not going to make us a championship contender is just such a loser mentality. I mean, the goal for the Bulls this season should be the second round of the playoffs. That's what you do. You try to win a series uh, after making the playoffs this past year. Of course, you want to win two series. You want to win the championship. But you know, if they just approached it where we need to get good enough to win a series and then we're going to try to take the next step, to me, that would have been reasonable. They didn't approach it like that at all. It sure seems like uh, their whole sort of mandate from ownership is we want to make the playoffs without going into the luxury tax. And yeah, if they somehow luck into a talent like Derrick Rose, like they did back in 2008 or whatever, and he has them on a championship pathway, then perhaps they will consider spending the luxury tax. But as Jason mentioned, it was reported uh, a couple of weeks ago that the non-taxpaying teams last year got $11 million, just about $11 million from the taxpayers. That's going to be even higher this off season because the Clippers payroll is increased. So, uh, I just think it's so shameful to run the entire organization around a handout from the big market teams that are actually trying to win. And here you have the Reinsdorfs running the Bulls, like we've been saying for a decade, like they're the Indiana Pacers or the Orlando Magic, where they're like penciling that money into the budget for the team before the season even starts. And that takes way more, uh, like that's way more important to them than trying to improve the team a little bit to win a series. Maybe you get a, a few good breaks, you win two series. It's just such a loser mentality, and it's something that's been plaguing the Bulls for decades at this point. Yeah, and I think some of it has to go back on Karnaschovas and Eversley too. If they, if they know, I mean they they probably know this going in that they're not going to get like a blank check to go into the tax, right? So then they should have operated last off season with that in mind to say, you know, we can spend to a point. We want to get to a level of a playoff team, but we can't be giving away um, like extra money in the margins, and we have to try to cultivate more assets because to more like affordable assets, because we know we, we cannot, you know, spend o- over the top of the luxury tax to get over the top as a team. So, I mean, so they kind of built this team that did catch some lucky breaks to be first in the East and make the play. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I don't think they, even they expected the Rosen would have the year he did. Um, that was kind of like that lucky break. I mean, not at the level of yeah. getting a superstar like Rose on a rookie contract, but it was still like, something unexpected that kind of like raised the ceiling of the team uh, unexpectedly that maybe if, you know, maybe if they did win, maybe if everyone stays healthy and they, they could get it out of the first round last year, maybe that is an indication like, okay, this is a championship contender now. But I mean, I, I mean, but we would probably see through that too, as kind of like, kind of like fool's gold. And I don't think the Rose is going to have the same year next year. It'd be, it could be kind of like foolish to expect it. Um, His clutch stats were just like, out of control, amazing, the mid-range shooting. And I know a lot of that is his game, but just the the way that it um, directly affected wins and losses. I mean, two game game winning three-pointers that were ridiculous shots. Like, and those easily could have missed. And that's, the Bulls would have went 44 and 38 or whatever. Like, and that would have looked worse. That would have been like like, kind of mediocre. (laughs) Like Ricky saying, I don't know what they think their team is. And if they, if they do, are they are just content? Like, okay, we wanted to get in the playoffs because, and hey, all all things considered, it was a fun year and it was good to root for a team that was actually trying. Like that was great, great change of pace by the Bulls <laughs> to actually like, like try to win games and try to get good players. That that was fantastic. Loved it. Um, but if they just are just content with that and have been given the edict from ownership that like, 
you know, you're, this is like a kind of like a hard cap for us. You're not going to go above it. Well, then they have to do a better job of, of getting, uh, of getting better while staying within those margins. Like if they know those, if they know those limitations are out there, that's, they have to be, they have to be like even better than they have been. And I think they've been okay. Um, certainly like the Vucevic trade, like has not worked out, but I, you know, I appreciate like their, their ambition in doing it. And there's other moves that have certainly been, they were more lauded at the time, but now because of Lonzo's injury, that doesn't look as good. The DeRozan deal looks fantastic, but again, you, you had to give up so much in terms of, uh, you had to give up Thad Young, who could have been useful. You had to give up another pick, which you may not have had to do um, otherwise. So they're all just like ways to like, it's almost like, it's almost unfair to, to them uh, coming in because the, the cupboard was so bare. It was, they uh, weren't in a bad spot. Garpax dream is like, how do you build a contending team without assets and without going into the luxury tax? It's like, it's very, very hard to do. And that's why the bulls have to realize like, yes, you are a big market team. So that's reason enough to get in the luxury tax, but also you don't have a lot of assets and you have even fewer assets now that they've been traded away to get some of the core players you have. So it's like, what, what can we do? You can't like buy, you can't get more draft picks, but what you can do is use the levers you do have, which is using the full uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception, using your trade exception, going into the tax and, you know, foregoing the, the payout at the end of the year, because they're, you're, they're kind of like behind the eight ball now because of the mismanagement of the past 10 years. That's what the way it has to be done though. So it's going to be, it's very difficult for, um, Arturis and and the staff to like do their job. They have to be perfect basically. And they haven't been perfect. So this is what we get is this like this flawed roster that'll probably top out at, I don't know, like what, like fifth in the East. And yeah, I was just going to say, let's talk about kind of what we think, like what this team will be this upcoming season. And we could talk about some of the other individual moves in a bit too. So like Vegas currently has, I saw like 42 and a half, 43 and a half. And obviously some of this is the Lonzo ball. We have no idea what's going to his, the deal is with this knee. And that just hangs over a lot of this, like a dark cloud because we've talked about how important Lonzo is. We saw how important he was at the start of last season. He just changes how much they play with his passing, with his defense, this three point shooting. Uh, it just, he makes them a lot better. So like with, we don't know, like Billy Donovan had some comments the other day about it. And it was kind of just the same, like, Oh, he's progressing, blah, blah, blah. We don't know if he's going to actually be ready to ready to play. So I think some of that is baked into this. I mean, 42, 43 wins. If they go 42 and 40, like that's a huge disappointment, at least for, I think most fans after what they did last year, but like you can see scenarios where if Lonzo misses a lot of time or like, it was like, Kendrick Nunn has uh, so a friend just texted me right now about Kendrick Nunn. He's like still not ready to play five on five. He had the bone bruise thing. Like if, mm-hmm. if that happens with Lonzo and really like he needs another procedure or he just misses way more time, like that's going to really hurt the bulls. Even if they do get this, even if continuity or like development from Patrick Williams and IO and what other guys between yeah, tomorrow, we'll see if how, how much he, how good he does, how he follows up. We'll see if Zach, hopefully healthier Zach, hopefully or healthier Caruso. I know Caruso's working to uh, be able to play more minutes. I mean, he's he the way he plays. That's something Ricky talks mm-hmm. about all the time. So like right now I would probably peg them. I would probably put, peg them like right around where they finished last year, 45 or 46. Like there are cert, a few avenues where maybe they end up being better if they somehow do stay healthy, if Pat somehow takes sleep. And we'll talk about Pat. I know you have thoughts about Pat, Matt. Uh, so right now, I'd probably put them right around where they were last year. But 
I could see where they end up being worse. I mean, they were they were fucking awful at the end of last season without with Lonzo hurt, with Caruso banged up at times, with Zach banged up. Obviously, yeah, they were just a bad. They were a bad team. They were. All, I think we they were, ran, they were yeah, we ran the numbers points. like yeah, like their point differential without yeah. Lonzo. They were off. and without Caruso, they were they were just they were a brutal team then. And I mean, we saw the difference when they were healthy in the beginning of the year, which was it was all because their defense unexpectedly became like a top five yeah. defense just by virtue of Caruso and Lonzo disrupting the perimeter. I mean, we knew that the interior defense wouldn't be that good. There wouldn't be much shot blocking and they haven't improved that either in this off season. Like the Drummond signing is not going to improve their rim protection. So they're going to have to rely again on this kind of almost uh, dare I say, boiling esque, like, you know, blitzing and, and trapping and disruption on the perimeter. And you got to have Caruso and uh, ball, not only healthy, but like uh, fully healthy to like do that kind of activity. Um, I don't know if like a half speed Lonzo will be able to be as good of a defender so that, I mean, so yeah, I mean, I think Vegas, the Vegas line is kind of like threading the needle of what, what, a like a mid-level uh, Lonzo absence would be. Cause it, it really is probably more a dramatic swing. Like, so if Lonzo is fully healthy, maybe they get to 50 wins, but if Lonzo isn't healthy and, you know, Caruso has his usual bumps and bruises and other things can't, you know, that, that could go wrong do, um, then they're that they might make uh, miss the playoffs or at least like be in the in the play in tournament, yeah. uh, like in like sub 40 wins. I, I think that's certainly on the table just because they have they seem to not have a lot of margin for error when we saw like when little things went wrong. I mean, they were they were little in that they only affected one player, but the Bulls are they don't have like a star, they don't have like a stars and scrubs lineup, they have a lot of very good players to where they can't really afford to lose any of them or else the whole thing kind of falls apart. So if they get like a injuries um, here and there to a couple of guys, even if it's just for a couple of weeks at a time, it could really like depress their win total. Um, and then like, also we've seen like the other, the moves, the other East teams have made um, and they had their own injury issues last year too. I mean, if like Chris Middleton plays, I mean, the bulls look even worse <laughs> in terms of like their, uh, like how close they are to the bucks. So, I mean, all, all those things like factoring in the, the bulls could be, I mean, what do you think like their seating would be? I guess better than right. better than a win total. What do you think their seating would be? Yeah, so I'm saying the Celtics and Bucks are clearly the class of the East. Those two teams are way in front of the Bulls. Then the Sixers, I would probably say third. I think that they improved meaningfully this offseason. There's a team that had a plan this offseason. They get Daniel House, they get PJ Tucker. You know, are those moves Tampered, going to eat super well? <laughs> I don't know, but I respect the fact that the Sixers and Maury just build the team where our goal is to win the championship. Yeah. And we're trying to just get closer to winning the championship. And if it blows up, we're not worried about two years from now. We'll deal with it then. Yeah, they had that uh, planned I, out for a while, clearly. <laughs> I think the Sixers, uh, you know, improved enough to be third in the East. Then you got Miami. Miami. Miami loses Tucker. Okay, was Tucker any good? Like he was good. Uh, he was good for them last season. He he was good for them. Yeah, but you know how how they replace him is going to be interesting. What happens with Duncan Robinson, who was getting DNPs uh, during the offseason? They didn't really meaningfully improve their roster whatsoever this offseason. Yeah, because so, they're just still in like KD, like Donovan Mitchell. I mean, they're not getting those guys. They don't have what they have to trade for those guys. I feel like they're not going to. So, so it's going to be. Put, I put them fourth and then, you know, fifth is the bulls upside this offseason mm-hmm. and competing with them. And we'll see what happens with Brooklyn. We'll see what happens with Brooklyn. If Katie Kyrie and Simmons are all there and they all play, I mean, they should be really fucking good. I even know if they're all goofballs. So like, yeah, 
I was going to say competing with the Bulls for fifth would be Toronto, who finished uh, two games better than the Bulls last year. Atlanta, who did their big move, trading three first-rounders for DeJounte Murray. Cleveland, who was awesome last year before their own injury issues. Their big three of Evan Mobley, who should be even better in year two. He looks like he's going to be a major problem moving forward. Jared Allen, Darius Garland. I mean, I think Cleveland's pretty well set up for the future. They might get Sexton uh, back. You know, Sexton was out. He's still yeah, in like – He'll be a good six free man. Agent. Yeah, he's still in free agent limbo uh, with restricted free agency. But, like, say they bring him back to the qualifying offer, um, that might not be good for them, like, long-term. But for next season, they'll have a capable rotation player that they didn't last year. Sure. And then you got Brooklyn. And the Knicks likely getting Donovan Mitchell – I mean, a Knicks team with Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell, if they're going Brunson, Mitchell, uh, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, if he's not in that deal, and Mitchell Robinson with Hartenstein quickly off the bench. I mean, I would like to think that the Bulls are easily a better team than that or like comfortably a better team than that with a little bit of a margin, but I'm not sure. We'll see. Like The Knicks got better, and we know that Tibbs is going to gas his players and try to win every regular season game possible, so... I think fifth is the upside for the Bulls in the East. Uh, I think seventh or eighth is probably more likely. And really, like, the swing factors are, can DeRozan continue his level of excellence? Like, how much can DeRozan slip and the Bulls can still, you know, be a team that stays out of the plan? Can he slip 5%? Can he slip 10%? Mm -hmm. I still expect DeRozan to be really awesome this season, but to expect him to replicate what he did last year just seems totally unreasonable. That was a really special season in so many different ways, especially with the clutch scoring. Uh, and, you know, he, he's probably going to fall off a little bit this year. He might fall off defensively, too, which like mm-hmm. last year we were, you know, coming into it. We thought that DeRozan's defense would be horrible. It was bad for sure. But who's to say it can't get worse, too, right? <laughs> like, he's just going to be another year older and probably feel even more pressure to carry the offensive load. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, Pat and I am. And, you know, I think that Pat is going to be someone who around the league, when you're looking for guys who are, like, either breakout candidates or dudes who are going to sort of make or break their team season, Patrick Williams is going to be on all of those lists because he was the fourth overall pick in the draft because he has these tools that sort of fit what everyone else in the league is looking for. But to this point, we haven't seen him be able to operate in the role that the Bulls want him to operate in, which is mostly spacing the floor for DeRozan and Levine. Like that is sort of, in my opinion, the weakest part of his game where he's better is when he has the ball in his hands. So I would like to see more Patrick Williams sort of paired with Levine when DeRozan's on the bench and then, uh, you know, probably less Pat with DeMar because you sort of just want DeMar uh, to be surrounded by shooting and spacing mm-hmm. and just let him control the offense. You know, I'm not talking about the closing time, just sort of like the middle stretches of the game. And then, you know, you hope Levine has another level in him because he was awesome last year for the first half of the year before he suffered the knee injury. Uh, will that knee injury be 100% healed? Is that like never going to be an issue again for Zach Levine, barring, you know, uh, you know, a new injury to it? Like, will that procedure 100% clean up what was bothering him and we're going to get the best version of Zach? I don't know. It's tough to say. Uh, it could come back. Had- yeah, it could just be like, a, you know, a trouble. It's something that follows him for his career. I mean, that's possible. I, I think, so we're talking about like stuff like, Levine maybe going up a little bit of a level, Patrick Williams going up a level. I mean, but 
we could debate like whether they're they can you know compete or beat out with for wins like Toronto, New York. I think we're pretty all in agreement that they're not in that top tier, and I don't even think there's a way to like even if everything goes right that they make make the top four. So it, it's kind of just again, it's kind of going back to like what do they what do they think they are and what do they want to be? And if they want to be a mid level playoff team, then yeah, they're I mean they're in that group, and I think they're better than. I think they're better than Toronto and New York and all those. I think they're better when they're at full strength if they were like to meet in a playoff series, but they're not going to meet in a playoff series. They're going to have to face one of the top four teams in the playoff series. And those are teams you have to beat. Like I'm, I, I would be confident like putting the bulls against Toronto in a seven game series. I just think the bulls have better like top end talent and shot making, uh, but they have to beat Milwaukee. They don't have to beat Toronto. So I mean, so we, uh, so the, yes, I mean, so is, if they want to get to that fifth, that level of like number five, which I think would be like a best case scenario, like some of the things that have to go right. Yes. Including Patrick Williams on that is, is key, but I think he would have to jump like two levels for the bulls to be like a, a tier, like to have their actual like team ceiling raised to the top tier of the East. And then I don't think that's like happening at all, whether, you know, Patrick Williams could get incrementally better. I hope so. I'm not, I'm like, I'm very much like out on Williams and I know that's like not fair because he hasn't played a lot. And when he has played, he hasn't been like totally healthy, but even when he did come back, I'm hoping he wasn't like hundred percent, like whether that's the wrist injury or like lack of conditioning. Cause I just did not see a lot of um, like explosion athleticism in his game. He, he just seems like a, like kind of a, a slow, like power forward. Uh, who can who can maybe shoot a little bit, but his shooting mechanics are slow. Um, I just didn't see a lot of bursts that make me think like, oh, this is a guy who you could you know give the ball in a, a even in a bench situation like him and Levine as like the focal points of a of an offensive lineup and say like, oh, go Patrick Williams, go get his buckets. I just don't see that from him now. Hopefully, it's because you know he missed so much time. Um, he's still like very young. We're gonna have to see that like pretty soon. Like pretty much like right away, we should be able to see where, you know, Patrick Williams can be like a 1A, like our number two option off the bench. Um, obviously, when in the starting line, he's going to be like the fourth or fifth option. But yes, he should be able to show those skills and athleticism uh, to get that, to get like that uh, kind of like a go-to player status, even if it's like a number two option go-to player. Because uh, otherwise, I don't, I don't see where like this big like gap between where Williams is now to like where he could be in the future where that actually like elevates the bulls as a team. I just don't, I just don't see that like star quality in him. Um, again, if I see it right away, then it'll be like, okay, well maybe it was just because he was hurt last, last year and missed so much time that because even in those games in Milwaukee where he did get a, a lot of shots up and he had like good shooting, it just, I don't know. It just wasn't doing it for me. It, it, <laughs> I wasn't looking at him and seeing like, Oh, like this is a guy we can, who's going to like take the bulls to the next Yeah, I mean, level. he was hitting His open threes in, a bl- in right. blowouts. Yeah. So like he had the one game, what was it? Game three, the game I was at where he went like over 10, the last couple of games, he looked better, but again, it was, he was hitting open threes and blowouts. The bucks weren't, didn't care about him. So like that, that'll be interesting to see because he has a pretty good shooter. Uh, I mean, he's like 40, I think 40% so far for his career from three, but like the volume is the problem. There were a couple of good articles today on Patrick Williams. One was at, Dime, I think, or Up Rocks, whatever, by Jackson Frank. And our guy, Will Gottlieb, wrote one at SHGO about it uh, as well. Uh, and just like 
he needs to be he needs to be taking those shots more regularly. He's got to be ready to take them. And then what when teams actually do care about guarding him, will he be able to counter? Will he be able to speed up that the uh his release? Because you talk about how it's just kind of slow. So like when teams don't guard him, yeah, he can take that slow load up and hit open threes like that. But when teams do guard him, can he beat can he beat that? Can he get shots off faster? Uh they definitely need to, I feel like they need to t- try stuff out with him early in the year. Like you said, we need to see this early. Like they need to make him a focal point, maybe not a focal point, but like whether it's with the bench, at least a bench they, focal point. Give him, yeah. yeah, give him a lot of reps with the bench and make him a focal point on the bench early. This you have the early in the regular season to try stuff out. Definitely, like this is year three. This is the year for him where he's got to take the leap, like you said. Uh, and because otherwise, yeah, because otherwise, then you start you get to the end of the rookie contract. They clearly believe in him. They haven't. They don't want to include him in these big trades. Uh, but if he like has another kind of whatever season in year three, and it's like. I know he's still really young, but now like the trade value is diminished even more. How long can you wait on him as you still have this core where you're trying to win with? They're clearly like, trying to thread a needle here with him. Uh, I think they believe that him him taking a leap is part of what's going to make them a lot better. I am definitely sharing some of the skepticism about how much better he will be, at least right now. Like maybe down the road, he actually will be really, really good. But uh, but I don't want to be I don't want to be totally out on him because I do think the injury stuff. It was a weird injury. He played, he missed so much time. And then he comes back in during a playoff push to a team that's struggling. And then into a playoff series. Like I'm not surprised a young player like that did not mm-hmm. look great. So like, I'm definitely going to be patient with him. I'm going to hold out some hope, but th- there's just so much riding on him. Because like, when we talk about like, what did the bulls want to be? I think they expect Patrick Williams to be like a real, a stud four who helps take him to the next level. And that's a lot of pressure on him for this season, especially yeah. When Lonzo's gonna, when Lonzo might, who knows what's going on with it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To me, the upside for Patrick Williams is as like a strength-based creator. And the game to watch would be the last game of the year against Minnesota when he went off for 35 points. And he hit some threes in that game, but he also got to the line 
14 times. He went 12 of 14 from the line in that game. Now, obviously, Minnesota wasn't playing their best players either. So you got to take that game with a huge grain of salt. But still, what was interesting about that performance was it was Pat operating with the ball in his hands. And when I think about what the Bulls need to like help them take the next step on the team this year or what Pat needs, what role Pat needs for him to take the next step in his career, I just don't really see an opportunity for Pat to get that many on-ball reps with DeRozan also on the team. And, you know, the ideal player that the Bulls need in that four is a volume three-point shooting four who can provide some supplemental rim protection inside. I think Pat checks that box defensively because, like Matt said, he's not a super explosive athlete in terms of speed or leaping, uh, but he's really strong. He, he can jump a little bit. He's got big hands. And he's mostly... And huge wingspan. Yeah. Good wingspan. He's mostly good because he's strong. And his whole status as a prospect has been based off these flashes of skill. Like, okay, like we see, you know, some really nice live dribble passing reads. Uh, Will wrote the story today on a sort of one-handed push shot that's kind of like a floater, kind of like a jump shot. Uh, you know, I think he's got some pull-up mid-range scoring ability. But, you know, how does that pull-up mid-range scoring ability come to the surface when you're a team led by DeMar DeRozan? And obviously and they like, need three point shooting. Like they, they need, need him to shoot three shooting. And yeah. you know, for Pat to be the best version of himself, I could see his game resembling DeRozan's a little bit. Now, of course, no one is as technical and as brilliant in the mid range areas as DeMar is. Uh, but I still think like that's sort of the recipe for what Patrick Williams averaging 23 points a game or something or 20 points a game would look like is him you know, driving, getting to his spots in mid-range and, you know, scoring that way. I don't see him being successful this year if he really just has to take a bunch of threes and then attack closeouts. Like, to me, that's going to that that's gonna be a tough role for him. So And unfortunately, okay. in the starting lineup, that is his role. Yeah, too. yeah. And, that's what yeah. he needs to do. So it, yeah, it's a, it's a tough, yeah, like Jason said, they're trying to, like, thread a needle in terms of development versus performance and – and like obviously there's a huge like age gap when you're talking about like competitive windows where I think like ideally the Bulls would ha- have now what like a Patrick Williams like developed like if Patrick Williams developed into Jeremy Grant and then you had like Jeremy Grant now that would be like a huge help at the four for this team but you don't have you don't have Patrick Williams like at his prime you have him at his age like what 21 season where he's where he hasn't like shown these skills yet so in the and to gain those skills, he has to have reps, like Ricky said. And I don't know if he's gonna. They need him for other. They need him for other things uh, that might take away from those reps to develop him as a player. It's a real. It's a real tough situation. And like Jason said, the contract's running out. So I, I never thought that. Um, yes, they always talk about uh, Pat in the media like he's off the table. I, I think they were never gonna trade for Gobert. And I wrote about this. In the summer, I thought they were never going to trade Gobert because he because of the money. I don't think it mattered like who they. Who and then they weren't they weren't going to match with the Timberwolves gave up. So well, yeah, and then it turned going. out that yeah. they couldn't have offered enough yeah. anyway. But the but I'm not so sure that like Patrick uh, Williams is like off limits in any deal. Uh, but I mean, it, it is our turn. Unlike these other guys that he traded, this is like AK's like draft pick. So it's his guy. So, yeah. yeah, there might be some attachment in that regard. But yeah, it's a real tough situation for like what they want Williams to get and whether they can even affording that opportunity. Unfortunately, I mean, it, it could be the case where we see injuries elsewhere in the roster and then that, and that uh, uh, allows that opportunity for Patrick Williams to flourish. 
I think like every, everyone's fully healthy though. There's not going to be, it's just going to be him taking open threes, which, you know, that's a skill he needs to learn and get better at. Um, kind of like how Grant Williams of the Celtics, like all of a sudden took like 14 threes in the game because he's usually left open and yeah. you wouldn't, but you're not like, you don't want Patrick Williams to become like the top out as Grant Williams. Um, but that's like the role they would need. I mean, for... if he was as good as Grant Williams this season, that'd be <laughs> huge for the Bulls. So like, obviously you don't want him to tap out, but like if he becomes, if he was like as effective as Grant uh, was for the Celtics here, that, I think that'd be a huge win. For the yeah, Bulls. but I think, yeah, but yeah. to Ricky's point, if he's being Grant Williams, then he can't develop his game. Right. Uh, yeah. Like to do other stuff. So absolutely. Yeah, it's tough. Um, one point I wanted to make on this too is that I feel like because of the need to develop Pat and IO too, I think IO's got more upside than maybe people give him credit for. Monster off season, just based around the fact that he was a pretty good NBA player as a rookie, and you look at him as a veteran three-year college guy, uh, not a great pull-up shooter. I think he IO only scored eleven points per thirty-six minutes last year, so he's just going to need to prove he can score a little bit mm. more this year. But I do think he's got some upside left, but. To me, the point I wanted to make is that a lot of this is going to fall on Billy Donovan. Like, he's got this roster that does not have any shooting. Dead last in the league last year in three-point rate. He has a lot of redundancies on the roster with Derek Jones and Javante. I think Drummond and Vooch are also pretty redundant in terms of the type of coverages they can play. I hope so. Uh, (laughs) I hope they don't play together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's see what Donovan can do with this mix because – Donovan looked awesome at the start of last season when the Bulls could get into transition so quickly and their defense was sort of leading to their offense. But the second half of the year, you know, the theoretical second half after the all-star break, the offense was so bland and so boring. It really didn't feel like there was much like secondary actions in the offense. It was really just like one action to get DeMar where he wanted to be on the floor and then let DeMar do his thing. So I think a lot of this is going to be on Donovan and Donovan did clear the world's lowest bar of being taller than Jim Boylan. (laughs) He got the bulls, you know, into the playoffs out of the play in last year. So I think, you know, last year got to be relatively happy with Billy Donovan, but I would not be surprised if we're doing this same podcast again, a year from now where we're like, okay, what are the bulls doing with Billy Donovan? He's not a good enough coach to get them where they need to be. I think there's a ton of pressure on Donovan coming into this year. And a lot of it is how he deals with Patrick Williams. Yeah. I think maybe Donovan is kind of, he, he worked well last year, giving DeRozan as much freedom. And I think he's a player's coach in that way. And that he will, he doesn't really like scheme to, to the players to tell them like, here's how you're going to. Saw it on OKC. Right. So yeah, he just, he lets the stars do what they do best. And I think they appreciate that. And I think that's part of also you would, you would hope be part of like free agent recruitment too, is, you know, that would be an example, like maybe Billy Donovan isn't the greatest tactician, but he's a player's coach. He's respected players want to play for him. That, that's not nothing. That's important. Um, but yeah, if, if it's, if it's a case where like he has this kind of like roster with a lot of redundancies, some still like huge glaring holes and he's not able to like scheme his way to like paper up those holes. Then it's a problem where you have to look to say, maybe we have to, if we're not going to get like much better players in free agency um, and we're not going to like do like a three for one, like upgrade trade, then we have to like look to the coach and see if we can like unlock something with the players we currently have. Yeah. That'll be a, that'll be interesting to see. Like, cause I mean, like Ricky said, Donovan certainly has like a honeymoon period here. And, uh, but if they, if they start slow this year, it might run out like very quick because the, the co- relative collapse of last season will still be like fresh 
in everyone's mind. And I think, yeah, some of that just got like chalked up to injury and like Donovan kind of escaped a lot of blame. Um, perhaps that's fair, but if they are more or less healthy and they're still like have this kind of like give DeMar the, give, give DeMar the ball and uh, let him do his work offense. And it's not, you know, in the top uh, 10 in the league, then yeah, I think people are going to start looking at uh, Donovan and seeing like what's going on. Um, like rotation wise with Donovan, I think some of these are pretty easy. I mean, you don't have to play Javante green if you don't want to. I mean, I don't think anyone will care if, if he's buried on the bench. Um, I think, but yes, he has to decide of these redundant players. Like don't, don't mix and match them game to game, pick, pick your guy in the rotation. The other guys just get DMP'd. Um, and then similarly, you just can't like play Drummond too much. And uh, we haven't really talked about, I was going to say, let's, Dragons let's talk Drummond about the yet. rest of the roster. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so a lot of this like deep bench, I think is, which is all they, which is all they address because their, their moves were so minor. Um, Yes, backup center is a more important role than the, the 15th man, but I really just don't I think Drummond's washed up and and I know that's that is um I'm kind of like I'm kind of like extreme in that opinion. I I mean he is only 29 and he did put it's up crazy. He's only numbers, 29. <laughs> but I just see a guy who's like who he, yeah, he's like an old 29 because he's like out of shape and he doesn't move very well. Right. He doesn't move well. He, his foul rate has gone like through the roof and that's why he's, you know, his per 36 numbers look good, but he can't stay on the floor because he fouls so much. And especially if I know like rebounding is a part of transition, but also, you know, running up the floor and being a rim runner is part of transition as well, or at least getting to the three point line, like Lucevic, where he can like take a handoff and, and launch a three, you know, Drummond can't do any of that. So the idea that, that he's going to be some kind of like, lesser but still uh filling a similar role to Vucevic like that's just not going to happen and I think it'll be worse I think he'll prove to like not even be like an NBA player and he'll be like waived by by the trade line line <laughs> I think like I think he's going to go that that poor I think he's just going to be as a waste of a signing but I could be wrong he he was I don't know why they spent more than a minimum I think there were guys who came after who who went for the minimum, who had more shooting, who had more ability to play power forward, that would have been better um uh pickups than than Drummond. But okay, that's you're you're saying you only want like you know 18 minutes a game at backup center and never play alongside Vooch. I don't care how quickly like Stacey King like brings up the idea <laughs> of like some jumbo front line like yeah. he did with Tristan Thompson. Um hopefully that does not happen. Um because I mean if it does happen it'll be because of injuries, which we don't want. And that kind of brings me to Dragish where I, I kind of figured if this team is fully healthy, I mean, they didn't need another combo guard. This, this clearly looks to be, and hopefully this isn't the case where they like promised the minutes, like, because they know Lonzo's not healthy, but uh, it looks to me like someone they think is going to like fill in for Lonzo, but he is like far from capable of doing that. Not even so much his ability. I think he might have more in the tank than Drummond. I just think, is a skill set. He's just like a totally different player right. than Lonzo Ball. And most importantly, he's not the shooter. Now there are a few players who are the shooters Lonzo Ball is. Um, and it's certainly those players aren't going to be available at the minimum to play point guard. But I think they needed more of a um, a traditional point guard versus getting like all these combo guards. And I don't know if like IO's like development will make that uh less of an issue. Like maybe IO can, can improve his uh, like penetration and his, his own like volume three point shooting to where he could be like a Lonzo replacement. Cause right now I don't, 
I don't see it happening where like if if Lonzo doesn't play, it's it, it just changes the whole like complexion of the team. Yeah. Where you would hope like if one guy who's not your star is missing, that you have someone behind him who can kind of like do a similar like facsimile. That's that's tough to do. I mean, the Bulls have been looking for a backup point guard forever. <laughs> like they they never really got a good backup point guard when when Derrick Rose was out of the lineup all the time. And it, that's kind of carried through to this year. So like the drag, the drag is shining. I think like it just as a um, pure like value proposition wasn't that bad. I just don't know if like his fit is that good because if Lonzo's healthy, he's like not going to really play. And if Lonzo's not healthy, he doesn't do the things that Lonzo does. And it all comes back to the shooting. I mean, is Kobe White going to play? I mean, he right. kinda I was going to ask, ask you that. Like, yeah. what, if Lonzo healthy or not, like right now you have Lonzo. You have Zach, obviously, in the backcourt. You have Caruso. You have Kobe. You have Dragic, who is claim- out there claiming in, like, European interviews that he's, like, going to play 20 to 25 minutes a game. I mean, you have Dalen. We haven't talked, mentioned, brought up Dalen Terry, the rookie. I, mean, I think mm-hmm. most of us are right. expecting he's probably not going to play much. Like, Yeah, but we thought the some, same with Io last year. That yeah, he maybe he gets some yeah. energy, minute, energy minutes, or maybe he, maybe he plays more if there's injuries and stuff like that. But, like, that's a, we have a bunch of guys in the backcourt now, and, like, uh, and, and a lot of Kobe, them are shooters. Right, is, yeah, right. yeah, that's a that's the that's the big problem. And with Kobe, it's like so like they're allegedly looking for like a lot in a trade, but like like but he hasn't been very good. He is one of your few shooters, but like now you bring in another another guard in Dragic. So like if you don't play Kobe much, I mean you're not helping his trade value there. So it's like what? How exactly are they going to divvy up all these minutes? And like with, I mean, I'd rather probably play Io and just let him roll as the point guard if Lonzo's hurt over. Going to Dragic, like I'd rather mm. just hope for the upside with Io and Dragic. I think is he was bad last year was weird for him, and like he showed some okay minutes like in the playoffs. I mean, him and Drummond, I mean him and Drummond were both starting for the Nets, right? In those yeah. playoff games, which was really weird. That's why they got swept, despite having Katie <laughs> right. and Kyrie on their team. Uh, was those guys they were relying on those guys? So it's like that. It, it, Kind of like similar to the Jones thing, like value Dragic at the minimum sounds fine. I mean, he's been a really good player for a long time. He's probably a little washed, might be okay, but like the fit on the roster just seems really weird. The Bulls have like no, besides Patrick Williams, they have like no bigger wings. I guess Dale and Terry is six, seven, but they have like no big wings. They just don't have much shooting and Dragic didn't address either of those. So it's like, that does read like desperation. Like we need a veteran point guard to play. Because Lonzo Ball is going to miss a lot of time. The, like, the other thing is that framing him as a Lonzo replacement is just totally ignoring defense. Yeah, like, yeah right. maybe he yeah. can replace yeah. a little bit of the shooting. I I believe some of that, but Dragic looked brutal defensively last year. I'm much higher on the signing of Drummond than Dragic. And really, my main issue with Drummond is that he was their biggest piece that they acquired this offseason. If Drummond was their third biggest piece mm-hmm. or something, I'd be like, all right, that was a pretty good move. But to have Drummond be you know the linchpin of your off-season acquisitions is just so disappointing to me and then in terms of Dragic, i think that like if he's playing 25 minutes a game your defense You're is cooked. gonna fucking suck You're probably like, there's basically no way around that uh especially if he's sharing the floor with damar and vooch and lon or damar vooch and uh zach so i really did not like the Dragic signing i think that you know if anything you just let Io take a bigger role. You see what you have in Io while Lonzo's out. I think you could trust Io defensively mm-hmm. quite a bit. And then 
you know, you, you tell him over the off season that you got to improve your three point shooting ability. Now, one thing the bulls could do with this stupid luxury tax payment that I already resent them for getting is spend it on player development, get a shooting coach, get, you know, build out additional front office resources or head coaching resources. Should have hired Chip England or whatever that guy's name is. Where'd he, he go? OKC? Yeah, yeah, he went to the Thunder. Yeah. And, you know, we saw that the Bulls gave some promotions recently within mm-hmm. the front office. I do not believe we've heard about them making any additions to the front office no. or the coaching staff so no. far this offseason. So put that money to good use. I mean, Ryan Storff's literally just pocketing that money, spending it on the White Sox, doing whatever else he has to do with it. And I just think that... I'm not spending yeah, it on the White Sox. Yeah, not spending it on the White Sox either. They didn't do anything with the trade deadline, <laughs> just like the Bulls. So... Uh, I just really am disappointed by this offseason and coming into this year. I think it's very easy to see a scenario where the bottom falls out. I'm not necessarily predicting that because I do think that DeMar is truly a stud. I think that exactly is unbelievable. And, you know, don't forget Caruso was signed on the mid-level exception when they gave Caruso last year. No one said, well, this move doesn't take us over the top. No, they were just trying to get better. Yeah. And they refused to do that. Huge impact. Yeah, he had a huge impact. So yeah, ultimately, you know, I don't think yeah. it was like a perfect move for them to make. You know, you could have said, well, they need rim protection and shooting. So maybe you sign someone like Mo Bamba. Well, maybe Mo Bamba sucks. I mean, he, right. he probably does suck. But at least you're <laughs> attempting to. And you got the yeah. salary slot. Right. And yeah, yeah. And you can, and you and can, you can flip, flip them. And then yeah. the other thing, too, is like, all right. So if this next draft is as good as everyone thinks it is, you got to figure that teams are going to be selling off pieces toward the trade deadline to try to just shamelessly tank to the bottom for Scoot Henderson and Wembenyama. Well, you know, with the Bulls handicapping themselves in terms of the luxury tax as a hard cap, are they going to be able to take advantage of that at all? Like if the Wizards want to give away Kuzma because the Wizards are bad and they want to try to maximize their lottery odds, you know, the Bulls don't have any wiggle room to take on any salary. Mm-hmm. So- and they didn't la- and they didn't last year. And then what, what did we see? They didn't do anything at the trade deadline. So yeah, that could certainly be the case this year where players will be available and you, you could say like, Oh, what, who would, they, who would you want them to get? And there's a player available, but they literally cannot get them because it would raise their uh, payroll over the luxury tax before the end of the season. And that, and that, and then they don't have like the contracts to make those kind of mid-level moves either. I mean, you're not going to trade Caruso. Uh, who's it's Kobe, it's Kobe yeah. and Pat of mid-level contracts. Right. And, you know, and, and I don't think they want to trade Pat for like right. a, a role yeah. player, no. like potential rental. So yeah, they're, they're, they're like surprisingly not flexible for, I mean, they have like this packed roster with a, like a ton of guys who are just taking up spots. Like Simonovic should be cut. Bradley should be cut. <laughs> like, let's, you know, get some, Hey, that's second team all summer league. Marcus Simonovic <laughs> I mean, to like, you. And this is like what we've seen it like in the Garpax regime, and it's kind of carrying over now where they're just like not working the back end to try and find. To, yeah, why is Tony Bradley? On you know, if you're not going to sign, yeah. yeah, if you're not going to sign free agents, then you have to get talent in other ways. And part of that is investing in development. Part of that is using your roster spots in your two ways on developing players uh, that you could hopefully either use in your rotation or or use in in trades. And yeah, they're just like kind of like sitting right now. I think I I I don't expect Malcolm Hill to be taking their two ways by the time so. training camp starts. Like someone will shake loose from a roster and they'll and they'll sign them. But um, but yeah, I mean, just like going into this deadline, we're gonna have to like factor this in the. It'll be a consideration of like, can they increase their payroll? I forgot how close they are now. 
Like um, a million or two. They're right. Yeah, up they're not. It. They're very. They're very close, and that just does not give them a bunch of, uh, you know, dare we say, flexibility, which was like part of their big uh, <laughs> reasoning for like so many of their moves in the past was like to keep that flexibility. Well, now they're like they're very inflexible in terms of how many contracts they already have out, how close they are to the tax, how many draft picks they've already sent out. They've like kind of like painted themselves in this corner, and it was great when they did it because you know we thought, hey, they're gonna be like a taxpayer team is going to like go for it and try to be a contender. But if they're just like trying to be a, uh, a playoff team that is kind of like has a, like a hard ceiling of, you know, fifth in, in the East, well then, then their job like prior to now doesn't look so good. Like, again, it's, it's really tough like to do, you have to be pretty much perfect yep. and they've been like far from perfect. So it'll be, it'll be really intriguing heading into the uh, trade deadline. And unfortunately what I, what I think we'll, we'll see is like, we're going to see moves made. The bull's not going to make, going to make a move because they can't raise payroll. And they'll say, well, we'll wait for the buyout market. And we have our mid-level so we can, <laughs> right. you know, aren't you, you aren't could you use glad, like two or 3 million. Yeah, aren't you glad yeah. we kept our mid-level? Cause so yeah. now we can outbid teams who only have the minimum. Meanwhile, the best players will go for the minimum anyway to like the title contenders. And then the bulls will get, the next version of Tristan Thompson as they're, <laughs> as they're big. And then, and then they'll say, you know, Lonzo coming back is really our, right. uh, yeah. our deadline exhibition. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough not to like fall into those kind of like doom doomsday, like patterns, you know, but I mean, like, like we saw like this off season was so bad. Uh, like we're seeing like now that like some distance has gone um, and we're like, it looks like there's no KD trade imminent. So now like there's like grading and evaluation of the off season and like when I see anything above like a D for for the Bulls, I don't understand because it's I can give them a C for like just just because Zach actually did come back, but like the other yeah, stuff to is me like that's whatever. like participating. That's right. Like, I know it would be like a <laughs> like you would drop you would like have to fail fail out of the NBA if you didn't retain Zach. Agreed. So like <laughs> a very like bare minimum of like what you could do. Bare minimum is just like the, is the perfect way to put it. They did the bare minimum. They re-signed their star player who that you should have. And then they brought in veteran guys who are like kind of big names who are washed, uh, probably washed. And And then like you re-sign another one of yourselves. It's very, it's like, it's like bizarre that they almost want to make, they want to make sure they don't go into the tax by like removing the avenues where they can go into the tax. They're like, well, we would go in, we would go into the tax, but we spent our, uh, biannual already. We spent like this much of our MLD already. And it's just, it's just, it's really, when you, when you look at it, you know, when you look at it like in pieces and like, like moves here or there, like, yes, you can debate over like the validity of them and like what they could have done better, uh, especially on the margins. But then when you just look at the edict from ownership to say like, this is our hard cap, you cannot go into the tax, uh, unless you are like a contending team. I mean, that's just like, it's really grim to think about. Like if you, if you just like look at the roster, but with like with that in mind, it really puts a damper on the whole, the whole season. <laughs> Cause you're kind of like relying on a whole bunch of stuff to go, yeah. not only go right, but go on like so unreasonably right. That they would like all of a sudden like vault into like, like they were last year, which is the top of the East where even then, I don't think, even though we saw their record, we didn't really think that they were like a contender and if they were a contender, it was because of like the other contenders were kind of suffering at the time. Yeah. I think we we kind of know like at full strength they are not in that top tier. So I mean, how much has to go right for them to like leap into that top tier? Where then, okay, now at the deadline, 
we're going to be at, we're a contender. Now we're going to go into luxury tax. It's like, they have to like come out of the gates hot, which then it'll be very, it's going to be uh, very interesting and like stressful to see like how, how they <laughs> like start the season, because if they don't start hot, then they're not going to be a contender. And if they're not a contender, then they're not going to spend uh, at the trade deadline. So yeah, it'll be very stressful to see like how they come out uh, of training camp. And like, you know, if Lonzo's healthy, if like, Pat is like making an immediate leap. If I was yeah. making an immediate leap, it's like, they don't really have time to kind of like get right. into the groove of the season because all of a sudden the trade deadline will be coming up and then they'll see themselves as a mid league team. And we know if they're like a 500 team, they're not going to spend into the tax to, yeah. to, to, you know, knock it over the top because even then over the top will mean what that they get to getting wins? in the play in. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. they're, yeah, so it'll, now I'm like I'm excited for the start of the season, but it's also going to be very stressful to see like how you know are are they actually going to be um, looking like the team that started out last year that kind of that might have been fooling us, but if as long as it fools ownership, that's all that matters. Yeah. You know, if, they, if they can fool ownership and the saying that they're like they could be a like a top four four seed in the East, and that that would be like a best case scenario for how the, the start of the season goes. And it all comes back to Alonzo's knee. And, you know, when training camp starts, like that'll be the big story. And we've seen in recent Bulls training camp past where, you know, the first day of training camp could be huge. Like that's when Rose like ran into, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. was it Tortoise's shoulder or someone? And he was out. Taj maybe? No, maybe it was Taj. Yeah. yeah. And then broke the his other, face. The other year where um, Nico and Portis fight. Fight, yeah, right? Like Dunleavy's back uh surgery. That, that was kind of like really oh, late yeah. in the offseason when we found out that Dunleavy wasn't going to be ready. And that kind of like changed the whole trajectory of the team. So I mean, there's a lot of questions coming into into the season. And it's unfortunate that there's still questions that were not addressed in the offseason. They didn't yeah. answer anything in this offseason. I, I mean, if you thought backup center was like a huge hole, I didn't. I mean, Tony Bradley obviously was not good, but I wouldn't say he was like a huge problem. And like you had to upgrade from Tony Bradley as like a way to like shore up a, a huge hole in the team. It'll be great if Drummond's better than Tony Bradley, but I mean, we're talking about a backup center who could only play center. There's, there, there's just not much um, value added in the backup center role. So yeah. So again, this off season was going like going into this off season with so many questions and seeing all these moves made around the league by other contenders and the bulls, just saying like, well, we're going to like kind of like answer these questions internally and do nothing externally to try and help not only fix those holes, but like add depth. So where you can fix them later, it's just really bad. And if you're, and if you're looking at, you know, from a top down perspective, like the overall valuation of the Chicago Bulls franchise, they're going to be a playoff team that stops short of the luxury tax and like caps out at, you know, 40 something wins and is more or less like a, an average team all of a sudden, you know, getting from, you know, it'd be nice to have a fun playoff team. It, it's a, like a quick fall to like where that's like no longer fun. Yeah. Um, I, I wish, I mean, I wish I had more patience and it was like, you know, we had one good year. What's a, another good year of like the DeMar DeRozan going off and Zach Levine becoming a, uh, like an all-star again, like that'll be fun, but yeah, I was going to say, go old, get old, like pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I really like the idea of the team one, if things do go right. I mean, they were really fun last year when Lonzo's throwing the look, the push ahead passes and you got Levine and Jones and Javante dunking all over everybody. And DeMar's doing this thing. Like their and their closing lineup was great. They only played 95 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like watching Caruso and Lonzo wreak havoc on defense. It was awesome to watch. Like, 
they had a lot of really just f- fun parts. And even if they maybe weren't like top contender, I know me and Ricky, I think bought into the hype, maybe a little too much <laughs> when they were at the top of the East last year. But like, if they were like a 50 win team, if they could possibly like, if they say healthy, the, pro- the Lonzo thing just is just such a killer. I'm just so, just so very much concerned about the Lonzo thing. And even if he like is able available at the start of the year, the guy misses like 20 games a year. I think, I think he's, I can't remember like the most he's played. So like, I think you have to like bake him, miss bake in him missing sometime. And if he, and, and then you're worried every time he has to like sit to right. knee soreness, you're like, well, yeah. is it going to require a surgery? I mean, yeah, it's exactly. Be, so like until he gets a second surgery, that's going to be a question. Like what yeah. it'll be like, when is he going to get the second surgery? Yeah. Not, not so like, I want to be optimistic because I do like the idea of this, like I like watching Zach, and I and I like I like rooting for like most of these guys. Like the and past Bulls teams have been guys where I just like hate watching them. Like I don't think there's really anybody on this team where I just like really yeah, despise totally watching yeah, them. They're... Like even Vooch, Vooch is frustrating, but like I mean Vooch at this point is he yeah, is what he, he is. Know, he's fine. He shoots a lot of threes. He's aesthetically yeah. And I know, hope pleasing. I hope <laughs> you hope maybe he shoots better than thirty one percent. Like I mean he took a huge dip last year. Get back to 35 percent. I know like over the course of the year that's like hitting like a few more threes, like, and that's not that many more threes, but like he gets a little better. Hopefully like he still rebounds really well. I feel like he's okay defensively before he is like, I like a lot of these guys on this team. I think they can be really fun when they're rolling. It's just like so much does have to go right. The Lonzo thing is hanging over. We need to see, we'll see what happens with Pat and Io. So like, I'll, I'll talk myself into the, the team as the season starts, even though I, 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 with the off season, I'm totally with you. I feel like defending this off season, it's really just not defensible doing bare minimum stuff when you're the Chicago Bulls and you're trying to become a championship contender, like you took your big step, like you're trying to take another one and doing the bare minimum. It's just not acceptable. And what, uh, so I think you, you really shouldn't be able to def- defend the off season and all that kind of stuff. So like, but I'll talk when the season rolls around, I'll talk myself into it and I'll get excited. And I, I think they get, like I said, I think they'll wind up right now. I would peg them in the mid forties to get possibility to get up maybe near 50 i picked them to win 50 last year when we went through the schedule and that was close i mean they were before they got injured they were on that pace so we'll see like i said i don't want to be total doom and gloom but there are scenarios where you could see the doom and gloom happening and that coupled with just what they did this offseason it's just like it's easy to complain about it because like it's just disappointing when a team when a big market team big franchise like the bulls doesn't act like one we've but we know that it's been a thing for so long and it's just frustrating to see it over and over again and yeah. Ricky, you, yeah, got, just you like, got any, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you got anything like, else here? We should probably wrap over. it up here pretty soon. Yeah. I just, uh, just to wrap that up. I mean, I was just, it kind of just like looms over the season where like they have this team that has a lot of variability, like a lot of things have to go right for them to, to be good. And it can happen, but what you could have used this off season and frankly, like their financial might for is to kind of like uh, cover themselves more to where like not everything has to go right for you to be good. And like, so the fact that they didn't do that means that that question is still hanging over this team. And that is like, again, it's like a really, I, I use this word again, it's like a stressful way to follow the team where you'd feel a lot better if they're like, well, we know they have holes, but they know they have holes and they tried to address it. They tri- okay whether it wasn't it. a move that got yeah. them over the top, but it was a move that, you know, at least covered them a bit in terms of injury. Now they're like very in this like really precarious spot um, where it could be a lot of fun, but it could, it could go haywire. I would be a lot more comfortable with a team that's winning mid forties, winning like in the mid forties of games, if they had their draft picks, but you're out your draft <laughs> yeah, pick this right. year, you're out your draft yeah. pick in 2025. And in general, when I reflect on this off season, 
D minus. The only good thing that happened is Zach Levine got the first $100 million contract mm-hmm. uh, that Jerry, Jerry. Reinsdorf has ever given out in all of his decades of owning two professional sports teams. The White Sox, I don't believe, have ever given out anything bigger than Grandal's $70 million contract, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. And Jimmy and D Rose both never got a hundred million from the Bulls. Jimmy would have earned more than that, but the Bulls traded him. So if they didn't, they got Zach Levine back. Who's awesome. I love Zach Levine. Not as good as Jimmy Butler. And Zach Levine is the one who gets no. 200 million from yeah. Ryan Storff. So to me, hell yeah, Zach Levine. You're taking Jerry for a ride. I love that. <laughs> and he got the full. I mean, he got player yeah, option. And I was, tra- was there a trade kicker in there? I think there yeah. was. He basically and got he, the full. And mix. it was right away, too. And yeah. I and I I maintain. So I was wrong about that. I thought, like, for sure, they're going to drag this out. They're going to try and negotiate nickel and dime on. Nope, they gave it to him. He accepted it right away. So I was wrong about that. Maybe I'm maybe I'll be wrong about the trade deadline and getting into the getting into the tax. So I hope so. Like uh, we, we, we always, we tried, I try to talk myself into like, they're not going to actually duck it this time. Like I thought, I thought for sure they were actually going to go in and I'm an idiot for thinking that they just don't, they've paid what the tax twice in the last like 20 some years at our Mark Deeks, I think did yeah. that thing at the over at Forbes. And he like, I think he counted up like tax like since like the, in this century, I think the bulls are like 24th and t- or 25th. They paid it twice. They've paid like 8 million in t- total tax in the last 20 some years. So shame on me for thinking they'd actually go into the Texas offseason. And maybe they will. Uh, maybe they will this uh, this during the season. We're just going to have to hope that they do add to the roster uh, and that they're good enough where they think that they ha- need mm-hmm. to add to the roster. Right. Because, again, if they if they come out and they start slow and they're just kind of meandering around, they're sure as shit, shit, sure as shit not going to do it then. So, yeah. Right. We, we, so we probably wrap it up here. Yeah, we've been going for a while. Uh, Matt, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to talk. Uh, Ricky is good to be back here. Uh, I said, glad to hear everything went well with the move. Uh, Matt, do you have anything you want to shout out with bloggable? Obviously you're, you're a baby. Uh, no, just go to bloggable.com yeah. go every day and there's never going to be anything new on there, <laughs> but, well, there's nothing happening, but just so. go, yeah. just go and we'll get the hit. And then, um, yeah, we'll have, we'll have stuff. Um, yeah, we don't have anything right now, but obviously it's a slow time of the off season and we will certainly ramp up when we get closer to training camp and hopefully it won't be, you know, horrible, like Lonzo ball injury news. It'll be all exciting yeah. stuff uh, going, maybe like Andre Drummond lost 20 pounds or something. <laughs> yeah. And, and that doesn't have to like grow that huge beard to hide it uh, <laughs> anymore. Like stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff I want to write about. So uh, go to bloggable.com. Yep. You can follow Matt at, at bulls blogger. He's your friendly bulls blogger. So I'll do it for us here at cash considerations, a Chicago bulls podcast. As always shout out to the blue wire network, please go check out all the other great pods as well. If you like what we're doing here at cash, you can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky for, for our pod. Uh, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Podcasts all those good places. Uh, so thanks again for Matt from Bloggable joining us today. Uh, obviously, there's like nothing going on in the NBA right now. Total dead period. Uh, I think the schedule might be coming out next week. I think a lot of people are kind of thinking possibly next week the schedule will be out sometime in the next couple weeks so whenever that happens we'll definitely be here to talk about it so this has uh, been cash considerations ash kybulls podcast we will talk to you guys next time
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.